Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's good, Internet? Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Syracast. The Syracast, in case this is your first time, is a podcast by Mobile Syrup in which we look back at the week that was in Canadian telecom and tech news. I'm your host, Igor Bonifacic. This is episode 193. We're recording it on Thursday, March 28th. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Mobile Syrup Managing Editor, Patrick O'Rourke. Pat, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Good to have you back. I'm back and alive, back from California and New York. And yeah, no, that was it. That was it. That's only places I've been. It's quite a few in just two weeks. Uh, joining us as well is Mobile Syrup staff reporter, Brad the Elder, otherwise known as Brad Shankar. How are you, Brad? I'm great. Thank you for having me back. It's great to have you back. On the ones and twos, we have the younger Brad, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday. It's on Sunday, apparently. This is this is what makes the Syrup cast such great radio. It goes up on Friday. So someone could be technically listening to it on your birthday. It's possible. The plan all along. Anyway, it was quite a busy uh, week last week and this week, and much of the mobile syrup uh, office was, or excuse me, staff was out of the office, but now we're back. We covered all the events for the time being. There's more to come because that's just tech in general. Um, and we brought on Brad and Pat because they were at two of the events that we're going to talk about. Uh, so I thought first we would talk about Stadia because that's the uh, oh, that makes sense uh, because the other one we're going to talk about Apple's event is the more recent um, Brad you were at GDC which is for those who don't know the game developer conference and it's held annually in San Francisco um, and you were there for the keynote do you want to just give us a bit of kind of um, flavor of what that event was like and what you saw for sure. Uh, yeah, so Google had a keynote about Google Stadia. It's their game streaming service that they've been teasing for a while now. They uh, did a, a public test for it last year in the U.S. with Assassin's Creed Odyssey made by Ubisoft Quebec. Uh, and then this is when they're unveiling like the full service. Uh, so during their keynote, they revealed that uh, only a few games so far they've talked about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, Doom Eternal, uh, the upcoming first-person shooter, and then there were a few indie games as well. Um, and basically the idea is to let you stream high quality games on virtually any device. Like the original test uh, that they ran with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you could play that on like a low level Chromebook in a Chrome browser, uh, for example. So it's streaming entirely to your, to your device. So you could play it on low level tablets, uh, laptops, mobile devices, uh, and they created a controller for it as well, which uh, incidentally is actually uh, has a big Canadian connection because a team in Waterloo uh, made most of the software and like the, all the back end stuff for the developers was handled handled by that team. So really cool Canadian connection there. Um, so I think we there are a couple of really cool features uh, with Stadia, at least you know features that they teased. Who knows? How they'll come to fruition vaporware 
vaporware, yes. Uh, do you want to just go like high level over those? Sure. Uh, so in addition to like obviously the game streaming itself, uh, there's kind of like three pillars to Stadia they talked about, like the game streaming, uh, YouTube integration, and then like developer tools. So like with the YouTube integration, the idea is that because obviously YouTube's such a big platform for Google, and they say that 50 plus billion hours of gaming content were watched in 2018 alone. So it's obviously a huge part of YouTube uh, gaming. So the idea is that there's a bunch of features that integrate YouTube into into Stadia. So for example, if you're playing like Assassin's Creed Odyssey and you're stuck on a boss or, or a puzzle or whatever the case may be, you could go onto YouTube and you could watch like a, a streamer doing that, um, playing that part and then you can jump in where they're playing or, or if you need help, just help in general. You can just search for um, assistance with that particular part through YouTube, all from within the game. Uh, and then there's features that like the content creator can implement to allow people to jump into their game at various spots. So it's all kind of about fostering that community. I just love the idea of this. You know, like jump in at any point. I can imagine like, oh, let's let's watch. You know, Sekiro just came out. Let's watch this YouTuber take on this boss. Oh, I want to jump in at this boss. This boss absolutely wrecks me and I never want to play this game again. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> it's like the worst form of advertising in a way. Yeah. Anyway, more generally, what are our thoughts on um, Stadia starting with you, Pat? And then I, I mean, I think it's cool. Uh, I, what I found really interesting about the platform is just the different way, ways various outlets were covering it. Like I think if you look at the tech press, like sites like Mobile Syrup or uh, like uh, The Verge or Engadget. Never heard of these sites. I don't know what they are. They yeah. were covering it in a, in a very different way, sort of like, this is cool. This sounds really neat. Mm-hmm. But Google kills projects all the time. Mm-hmm. Google does things. They get right behind them and then they kill them uh, a year later because they didn't pan out to exactly what they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the gaming press was kind of covering it in this way where like, We've seen this before. Other companies couldn't do it, but if anyone can do it, it's Google. Yeah. So to preface that, yeah, obviously the big touch point is on live. Yeah. So there was on live, uh, which didn't pan out. There's PlayStation Now, which is still a thing that exists that might have a greater emphasis in the next generation Mm -hmm. of consoles with the PS5. I think that's the rumors that we're hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, And to my understanding, like it works. It doesn't work incredibly well, but it but it works. Mm -hmm. Um, And Microsoft's also doing. Uh, something as well. What's what's that? XCloud. XCloud, um, where you're able to play Xbox games on any platform. So, I mean, it's not just Google doing this. I, mm. I think it's really cool. I think some of the social features are, are very forward thinking. They're not things that I would personally want to use. Like, I, I don't mm. want to jump into exactly where a streamer is playing a game. I also don't want to, like, jump into Fortnite and play in the game with Ninja or whatever. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not something I'm interested in doing. Um, but that's not to say other people aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the big thing for me is just don't believe that this is going to work just because it's Google. Google mm-hmm. makes mistakes. They're not a super human company. Like it's just a regular company. Like I know they own and run, uh, fortunately and unfortunately a great part of the world, mostly unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't just assume it's going to work because it's Google. Right. Yeah. And I also think, you know, like they're very, huge technical burden uh hurdles that need to be surpassed to make this work and i just don't know and we'll talk about those more in just a moment but i just wanted to add one more thing so the the other thing too that that i observed when the announcement happened is there's a lot of people um that so one of my big things was like hey this is sick 
but it probably won't work for anyone that doesn't have a really good internet connection. And mm. Brad can talk about this because he he spoke to uh, some executives involved in the project related to, to speeds. Um, and the general sentiment was like, if you live in a rural area of the country, screw you. Like yeah. th- that's what commenters commenters were saying. Um, why does Google need to care about those people? It doesn't matter. Um, and like I, I kind of understand that approach because like I guess you need to leave some people that don't have as advanced internet connections in the dust. But from a business perspective, that leaves like millions upon millions of people in North America because I think that's the first launch region. Um, mm unable to use the service right so even from a business perspective that limits stadia's uh, audience mm-hmm. brad uh yeah i, I obviously the I, I got to go hands-on with stadia uh and they were letting people play assassin's creed obviously and, and um doom uh and from my experience odyssey ran very well um i only saw a little bit of a dip uh in resolution when it was buffering like the world menu uh the world map when i popped that up otherwise like pretty much everything else seemed to be smooth but obviously that's like their marquee title so that's the one that they were testing way back last year so that one's obviously going to be the one that looks and runs the best uh so far as like their showcase i just think there's a lot of questions that remain not just from what pat was mentioning about how people will be uh won't be serviced if they don't have enough internet or whatever um because the Google says they're targeting, they recommend at least 25 megabits per second uh, for 1080p 60 frames per second and about 30 uh, megabits per second if you want 4K. Uh, what about 4K HDR? Uh, I think they that includes did they, HDR. Did that include yeah. HDR? Okay. Uh, either way, um, that's what they say. But again, that, that doesn't help people who are in rural areas or who have limited bandwidth um, data caps, uh, etc., uh, and also, just we don't know anything about pricing or the games library right now, um, which is a big thing because pl- you mentioned PlayStation Now. That had a bit of a stumble out of the gate because the pricing was quite high and a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not going to pay however much money for this monthly subscription that doesn't even have that many games. And currently, Google's done a good job, I think, in in showing that they are diving all into this because of the amount of, like, they've hired a lot of, uh, big name devel- developers from the games industry, like Phil Harrison, who has 15 years of experience between Sony and and uh, Microsoft. Uh, Jade Raymond, who worked at uh, Ubisoft, she actually founded the Ubisoft Toronto studio and the EA Motive studio in Montreal. So she has a big Canadian connection uh, and a few other marquee developers. And they founded their own studio, which Jade Raymond is going to oversee. So they clearly are investing into it, but... Uh, Again, we don't know the game's line lineup. Uh, they say they're going to tell us more maybe at I.O. later this year, but we don't know pricing. We don't know the game's lineup. So it's it's, it's hard to, to say how it's going to be. So on that note, Brad, um, based on everything you saw of Stadia, like how likely do you think the company is to deliver on the pitch? Um, again, yeah, it, it's just hard because I think what we've seen looks cool, but just long-term, uh, how the market's going to react to it, uh, either because they can't afford it uh, or because it's too pricey or they literally can't access it because of regional areas, uh, those those kinds of issues. And Google hasn't really done a great job yet in, in telling us how they're going to circumvent those issues. Uh, I also think, as Pat mentioned, there's a lot of companies getting into game streaming now, and we haven't even seen anything from Microsoft really about Project X Cloud. Like that's still very much... Uh, under wraps walmart is rumored to be doing their own game streaming service uh amazon so you know we don't uh, even just 
looking at Google in a, va a vacuum, we don't know a lot from them. But then when you consider the larger industry, there are a lot of questions that still remain. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Uh, I, I want to know how much it costs, right? Like, I think that's the key thing. Um, PlayStation Now was too expensive, I think, for it to be viable for most people. Like, do you know what the pricing is for now, uh, I think they've lowered the prices since and offered a few more flexible options. Yeah. Uh, but it still is limited in the amount of games that it has. Like, it's it doesn't have too many PS4 games. It's mostly just PS3 and... Uh, yeah. yeah, so I believe this is in the U.S., but uh, PlayStation Now is $19.99 per month. And yes, this is U.S. because it's Polygon, and it's there's a yearly subscription for $100. So, yeah, I think that, like, the way that people consume media now, Google has to go with uh, some sort of yearly subscription model. I think paying, like, piecemeal for each game isn't generally the way that people view um, subscription services, I right. guess. Uh, charging, like, 20 bucks per game, I don't think that's going to take off. And then, I, I mean, the same thing that Brad was saying, like, platforms live and die on their software when it comes to gaming as, as far as i'm concerned so it really depends on what games are going to be available through uh stadia stadia is it stadia or stadia stadia, yeah, stadia. Yeah. i've been calling it like different things every time i, I, say the I word. wanted to call it stevia a few times stevia <laughs> it's a sugar yeah. sugar replacement yeah um so I, I think that's a big part of it is like we need to know what games are coming to it and of all the titles released or shown off so far i'm like I've already played Odyssey. I don't want to play it in the cloud because I've already played it. And the other games just don't really interest me. Yeah, we haven't really had confirmation that it's going to have new games when they come out because obviously Odyssey's a year old at this point. Um, we don't know, like we don't know, well, not a year old, but like a year and a uh, half a year. But the point is we don't know if like a Stadia going to get new games day and date. Or are they going to come to the platform later? Um, they haven't really said. You would assume there'll be original titles too because they yeah. made that, that whole new studio. But even then, on that note, like comparing them to Microsoft, obviously we don't know much about xCloud, but Microsoft acquired like six or seven studios last year and founded their own one. So it's like even compared to Google, Google created their own studio, which is cool. But That's it's just good, one but, studio. But Microsoft now has such a large lineup of games, which you'd assume are all working on titles for whatever the next Xbox is. And possibly xCloud stuff as well. So it's like even when you compare it to them, uh, even not knowing much at the stage, it's it's like already Microsoft seems to have an advantage. Yeah, and I also question like whether Google is interested in sustaining the costs that are associated That's with game development, what I think, right? Yeah. Like, so the fact of the matter is, it's like it's not really the hardware that sells these platforms, right? Like, you know, yes, at the launch of the PlayStation uh, 4 and Xbox One, the PlayStation 4 was the technically superior platform, but that's changed now. You know, the Xbox One X is, you know, as Google's own slide showed, the stronger of the two consoles. But really, like, what has sustained PlayStation through this entire past generation is just it has had quite honestly, the better games, right? Um, so, like, you think about the costs associated with making a game, the turnaround time, like, you're looking, what, at best, like, two, three years? If that, maybe more in this next generation For of one games, game, right? For one game, right? Um, one game does not sell a platform, right? Like, yes, there are exceptions, you know, like, Zelda sold the Switch, but then that led to, like, a deluge of other games. Um, so, I think what, like... Google is really quickly going to come up uh, up against is like they need to become a game publisher and being a game publisher is a very risky proposition right like unless you're like take two selling GTA every couple of years 
there are like no guaranteed hits, right? It yep. is, and by their very nature, they are very conservative companies, right? Game publishers, they just go for what works. And I don't think you that can like, when you're trying to sell on a completely new platform, I don't know if that works, right? Like you have to go at it, like you can't go half measured at it. You have to go full in. Yeah, right. I think I think it would be a very different story if they they came out of the gate with like a lineup of I don't know something even somewhat conservative like twenty games, hmm. even if there are games that have just been released or will be released soon. And then we're like, and we have this one original title that our new studio is working on. Here's hmm. uh, a trailer for it, and it's coming out in eight months or something like that. Right, but then I think the other problem you come up against is like, why if there's only one title on the horizon, would you pay twenty? Hypothetically speaking, let's say it is $20 Canadian a month, right? Um, to play one title for like a week, right? Let's say when you could, and then you're like paying $20 the next month and not using the service, $20 the next month and not using the service. Yep. At that point, you could have just bought yep. a game and exactly. owned it. And that's the biggest thing about Stadia that I find is like very interesting is you don't own the games, right? Yep. So the fascinating part of that is, is like, what happens when Google decides, like, we don't want to devote the GPU cores to this game anymore, right? Like, it's gone. You can't play this game you loved, but you can potentially. Make, you can make the same argument in some cases about, like, downloadable games, too. Like, didn't the Wii, uh, well, the Wii store just go example, offline? Uh, perfect example. You know, PT considered, like... Yeah, that's true. You know, like, demo. You know, the demo, uh, it's like a game by Hideo Kojima, one of the most prolific game makers. You can't download that anymore. Right, yep. like, um, and it's like considered somewhat of a collector's item at this point, right? You can find like uh, PlayStation 4s with the game installed on it that haven't been connected to the internet in a year yeah. or whatever on GG for like way more than they're worth. Um, so, uh, Brad, I think you know, Google was really quick to highlight all of the advantages Stadia presents over traditional console and PC gaming, uh, but I think it's fair to say, like, I've just pointed out, there are a lot of disadvantages. What other disadvantages do you see? From your perspective as someone who, like, I think it's fair to say, like, really loves console gaming. Yeah. Um, again, just all the all the limitations for the consumer that they'll face. Um, again, we were mentioning the, the software lineup. I just, we don't know, like, Google made it very clear. They're trying to make it clear that, oh, we're very uh, supportive for developers. We have all these tools uh, to help them bring their games to Stadia. And when I attended some panels, the few developers that they have a confirmed partnerships with were saying it was easy. But obviously, they're confirmed partners so far. They're not going to hold a panel and say it was hard to bring a game to Stadia. Um, uh, yeah, so like they have some tools like they showed off, which you can... Um, which is called Style Transfer ML, uh, like Machine Learning ML, which you can like overlay... Um, assets with uh based on like photos or images that you've taken from the real world so they showed off like pac-man as an example that's cool which is pretty cool so like things like that are, are cool but we don't know other than the developers that they've said they've partnered with we don't know how, if developers want to use these tools we don't know if they are that easy to use uh just without hearing a lot from the development community um introducing wondersuite from bluehost.com website creation is hard but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite.
it's hard to say like how how many people want want to support this. Uh, again, even going back to Microsoft or Sony, even if hypothetically uh, Microsoft couldn't get any third party support for xCloud, they have now like 12, 13 plus first party studios that can just pump out content for them. Google has one. Yeah, I really think, so. like as far as I'm concerned, xCloud is the one that's more exciting for me because I yeah. know that there's going to be games there that I want to play, right? Um, yeah, and the other thing I think you should mention is like Microsoft just has just has as good of a pedigree in cloud Azure. as, you know, as, yep. you know, like Google does. Yeah. Right. And I think, um, the, I mean, there's rumors that Microsoft is working on like a diskless Xbox One uh, S uh, as well as like an enhanced Xbox One Supposed X. Supposed to be revealed like next month too, right? At, Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so the... I think that's smart because at least the, so X Cloud is for the people with strong internet or whatever. But then they're also still supporting cheaper, uh, more affordable um, consoles. You know, people who aren't necessarily um, well off to to do the kind of um, internet based stuff can still yep. get involved in gaming because that's very much Microsoft's vision, which they've been very clear about is gaming for everyone. Uh, where um, Regardless of whether it's console or tablet or whatever. Which is smart even from like a business perspective, yeah. right? Because they're trying to hit every every angle. Yeah. Whereas Google is kind of saying the same thing, but they're only focusing on the streaming aspect of it, which they're by definition means it's not for everyone. Gaming for everyone with a good internet connection. Exactly. Yeah. You know, what do you think the business model is gonna be with this uh platform? Like especially uh, you know, not only from the consumer side, but from the developer side too. Cause when you think about it, like um, you know, games, yes, they are expensive. You know, you're paying like $70 Canadian, $80 Canadian for a new game, but that money goes directly to the publisher and um, the developer. Now you have this model in which it's like $20 a month, right? Like how, as let's say an indie developer, do you make money on Stadia, right? Because it's, I imagine it's a lot like Spotify, right? Where it's like, if you're a small like you're not making money on this. Right? Yeah, that was one of my questions about it too. And I mean, like we don't really know much about how developers are played, uh, paid for PlayStation Plus or Xbox, not Game Pass, what's Xbox? Games with Gold. Games with Gold. Um, or like we'll talk about it later, but even Apple Arcade, right? Like all this is notoriously like kind of kept under wraps in terms of what the revenue split is. I would expect it's like, here's a ton of money for you to release your game on our platform. But then also here is like how much you will make based on engagement because I, I think that's how it ends up working on those other competing sort of game subscription platforms. Um, but I, I, I don't know that that's the big thing. Like I've I've heard rumors that like developers will release something on games with gold. They'll get an outright lump sum of money that seems really good, but then the game will become very popular. And then like you sometimes hear complaints that like they're not getting what they feel they deserved after that big lump sum of money. Um, yeah, like I, Rocket League launched in popularity because it was a PS Plus game. Yeah. Uh, and same with Towerfall. The, yes. That was a PlayStation Plus game as well, Canadian made. And then um, I, I always wonder, like, if I was an indie game developer, I would be like, oh, man, should I really have put my thing on this platform to get that prominent placement? Could I have just released, the, released this as a regular game on PlayStation Plus or whatever? Would I have made more money? Like, I, I, I don't know how they're, how they're going to approach it, but I'm assuming it's going to be, um, with, with Stadia, a very similar model. I also never, uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but the, you know you have to consider kind of like the types of games. Like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, I like I said, I didn't really experience any issues with it. But even if I did, that's not so much of a of a game that gets hurt by that. But like, you're not gonna want to stream 
like a battle royale game, uh, like an intense battle royale game that um, with one thousand players. Yeah, especially where, if it, uh, it dips for a second, and then you die, and then you're out for the whole match. Or even like single player games, uh, like uh, you mentioned Sekiro. Like that's uh, like the Dark Souls, the From Software games are very much you like you need that like solid frame rate. Um, it's a life or death situation if. You know, it dips for a second or two, even so. Yeah, anything that's like um, reflex based, like a first-person yeah. shooter, like I just like I'm trying to imagine playing Apex and then having the frame rate dip, which happens now since the latest update. As a side note, um, how that would affect the experience, right? Like you're in an intense firefight. Every little move, every second millisecond counts in terms of your decision making, and you lose that little segment of time. You come back and you're dead, yeah. right? And fighting games as well, yeah. so. Um, I also, um, it just occurred to me, like, one of the interesting things is, you know, they showed this on running on a smartphone, and I'm thinking, like, that is something, like, there is the 5G connection of it, which is, you know, like, with current 4G LTE, there's not the latency to, like, really enable this where it's super smooth, and 5G will enable that, but more interestingly, it's, like, at best, most Canadians, if they're lucky, have the $65 10 gigabyte plan, right? Yep. So you imagine what it will look like. They will burn through their uh, data cap in if you're streaming, let's say, like 1080p gameplay, right? I, like, mean, I mean, the thing that I imagined in terms of that, like mobile on the go, being able to play it was something like, like I was sitting in a hotel room bored after the Apple event, and I was like, I wish I could play Apex right now. I have this iPad mini here. What if I could connect my Stadia controller to the iPad mini and then be able to play over this absolutely horrible hotel Wi-Fi app? I wouldn't be able to, right? Yeah, because it's like five megabits at best. But but in this perfect world where like I paid the extra fee for the better hotel Wi-Fi, like I could actually play this game on the go. That's kind of what I envisioned rather than like being on the streetcar playing it. But I I don't think that's what Google wants. I think they have this like... um, not realistic idea that people will be able to take a game anywhere and play it even when they're on mobile data and i don't think that's realistic all right so we should shift gears uh just because we're running low on time and talk to another company that uh or talk about excuse me another company that announced a bunch of services in this case obviously that's apple uh they had a it was one service after another pat you were there at the event um if you had to pick one announcement from Apple Showtime keynote, which do you think was the most significant? I found, uh, so I, I think that obviously the uh, Apple TV Plus was a big deal, um, but we don't know much about it. Uh, this is Shocking. Which, which was pretty disappointing uh, given the rumors. Brad writes a lot of that stuff for us, so I'm sure he was like, what the hell, why are they not showing us trailers? Um, they showed a sizzle reel at the end, but it still didn't give us really an idea of what any of these shows are. I think that was the big thing for me, like, you're putting your best foot forward here, but you should be showing what these shows actually are to get people excited about them. Um, I, I didn't expect them to like go through a trailer for each one, but like maybe some of the more notable ones, like C, seem pretty cool. But I want to know what it is, right? Filmed in Vancouver. Yeah, and it's filmed in Vancouver. Uh, and there's a couple of other shows uh, that, like, the morning show seemed maybe it could be funny, but I want to see a trailer. I want to know more about it. These like little TED Talk things with uh, trotting out different celebrities didn't really appeal to me. Um, so I think it was kind of the situation where Apple just didn't know how to approach this event. They didn't know how to present this content because they've never done it before. So that was obviously like the biggest announcement was Apple TV plus. Um, and the one thing I want to note is that that service will look very different in Canada. 
it's not going to be the same thing as it is in the US. We're not going to have Stars content. We're not going to have HBO. We're not going to have Showtime. That's all for the most part locked up by um, Bell and, and Crave. Crave will be available through the TV app, but you're not going to be able, at least as far as we know as it stands right now, you're not going to be able to subscribe to Crave through TV Plus. And that makes the service a little bit different here. Um, but in terms of like what I was most interested in, um, and I'm writing like a little editorial about it that might be live by the time uh, you, you you hear this podcast, uh, was Apple Arcade. I think it's, to a certain extent, if it pans out to what Apple's saying they want it to be, it could be exactly what the mobile gaming industry needs. Um, because one of the problems with mobile gaming is the expectation that everything should be free. That's like what players are trained to believe is that mobile games should be free. Um, and if you charge for your game and you don't have a direct relationship with Apple, which is still required for Apple Arcade to kind of be a thing, um, odds are people aren't going to buy it. So like a developer like Snowman, a studio with Ties of Toronto in Canada, um, can release Alto's Odyssey and charge, I think they charge $5.99 or $4.99 or something, which is a fair amount of money. But they can do that because they have a relationship with Apple they know they're going to get prominent placement in the app store, so they know they're going to make sales. If you're like Joe Blow developer, um, odds are that might not happen, right? Because you just get buried in the store. You can like do as much marketing as you want, but it might not get that placement in the app store. Because what it comes down to is like the people that play mobile games, they're, they're casual players. They go to the store. They see what's listed. Um, and I mean, Apple uh, made an effort to kind of fix the app store up with the editorial curation that they have now with iOS. I think that was iOS 12 that it was added in. Um, but I, I think that Apple Arcade, the one-time subscription fee, the whatever that's going to be, we don't know what it is, uh, is a way for developers that are part of that program platform, whatever you want to call it, to earn money from their games without including in-app purchases. There's like still a number of barriers in place. Like how do you get involved in that platform? How open is it going to be for developers? Like, can anyone join it if they have a really cool idea? Or is Apple only going to continue working with the big names that they already know, like Rack7 or Noodle Cake? Um, that's a big thing. But in general, that was the announcement that I was most excited about because uh, there's a lot of really good mobile games out there that don't get the attention they deserve because they just get buried. Yeah, I don't know if there's like, like maybe you can talk to this, Brad. Um, I don't know if there's a place for like a premium service like this when it comes to mobile games, right? Like even if it's like, quote unquote, a premium experience, like usually my, I love my iPad, right? But it's not the place I go to play games, right? Like, and I think that's what it really comes down to is that the people who are willing to pay for these experiences don't necessarily play the these games, I think on that's iPad, fair. you know, yeah. like, um, and then, you know, there's all the other stuff that you come with it. It's like, what is, how is this revenue sharing going to work? That's the biggest it, question, right? You like, know? Yeah. If it's like 50% Apple, like it is with their subscription, new subscription service, like what's the point then? Yeah. Right. Like it also depends on how developers are going to be paid. Um, Apple's pretty careful in the way they're answering questions about it right now. Like do developers get an outright fee? Um, and is that all they get or is it based on engagement after the fact sort of thing? I would expect that it's an outright fee and engagement, but who I knows? would hope so. Yeah. Uh, but who knows, right? Um, is it going to be like a 30% cut? Is it going to be a 50% cut? There's so many things that we don't even know. We don't even know how much it's going to cost, right? So I, I think the other thing that Apple is trying to do with this is maybe trying, and I don't know if it'll work, but an attempt to bring in people that maybe wouldn't have been interested in mobile games in the first place because they have, um, 
the creator of Final Fantasy. What's do you Hironobu Sakaguchi? He also made Lost Odyssey. We we're talking about yes. that earlier. Um, stuff like that, like a developer that normally wouldn't be working in the mobile space. Um, and then Will Wright's going to be making a game for it of some sort. So oh. I, I don't know how many people they'll convince that like mobile games are a thing that you might enjoy, but I, I get the impression that that's part of the goal of what Apple's trying to do with this. Whether or not it'll work, I, I don't know. Um, to be honest, it, it probably won't, but um, it's nice to kind of see that happening. Uh, anything to add, Brad? Um, in terms of Apple Arcade or... In Whether general? it's Apple Arcade or Apple TV Plus. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have too much to say on Apple Arcade. I think Pat covered most of that. I think just with Apple TV Plus, like you said, we haven't really seen much of these shows. I mean, they just brought out big names to talk about stuff. Um, Which was cool. And like people were going crazy about it at the event. But like, I actually want to see some substance after writing about these for so long. That was kind of where I was coming from. Yeah, like as someone who's been writing about it a lot, uh, I think they have something like 24 or 25 series in development at least. Um, but even after covering a lot of this, I don't even know a lot about any of them still. Um, and they can release all these big photos. Like Tim Cook had a photo with like all the main stars uh, behind him. Like they can release these photos. That's cool. But that doesn't mean anything if we don't know much about the content that they're actually in. Um, especially when, and then like knowing more about the behind the scenes stuff. Like for example, Apple's inve- uh, had like a $1 billion war chest to fund this content. I'm sure it's, probably gotten a bit more if they're creating more shows but for comparison like netflix spent what eight nine billion dollars this year yeah uh so it's like even if you just look at a, a from that perspective and then disney's not even in the race yet with disney plus uh and disney obviously can sell itself with marvel star wars and its own disney stuff uh and we know they'll be putting a lot of money in. they've already said more about their original content i, I think in, in a way probably um, yeah based on some of the shows. And we stuff. also don't know pricing, right? That's yeah. a big thing. Like, uh, I do think that the service could be worth it. I don't think that it's too late for Apple to kind of join the streaming service fray. Like, I think there's still a bit of an arms race. Like, we're waiting for Disney. Um, there's a bunch of services in the States that we won't get here that are still preparing to launch. Mm. Um, so I think that arms race is still happening, and maybe they're a little late on the curve, but it's not too late. But it all depends on price, right? Like, if you're going to expect people in Canada to drop like 20 bucks a month on the service that's not going to happen um if you price it something more reasonable like even under netflix Mm. uh and there's like i don't know three or four shows on there that are are decent people might subscribe even then it's a tough sell given the value that netflix offers um i think we are going to see like some kind of ridiculous bundle right that includes icloud apple arcade uh, (laughs) apple tv plus and i don't know any other subscription service that apple comes up with um we're going to see something like that in the future for a price that's probably too much money. Like mm-hmm. it'll be, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks, something like that, which most people, that's not an impulse purchase. That's like something you sit down and you're like, can I fit this in my monthly budget sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they might try that approach to an extent, kind of the Amazon, you get all this stuff and you get these free shows too. Yeah. That I Amazon considered that it, Apple prime. Yeah. It's that Apple prime approach to it. Which, which I kind of get, but also Apple doesn't ship me products same day. Like, so it's a bit of a difficult sell, mm-hmm. right? Uh, on that note, uh, any shout outs before we head out? Yeah, I can do mine. Um, I, I, I think Apple's presentation was mostly disappointing, but I was surprised by Apple Arcade and I think it's pretty cool. I'm hoping that their promises regarding the platform pan out. 
So my shout out goes out to Apple for doing something cool for mobile games. Uh, my shout out is to Cuphead coming to Switch. Uh, they made that announcement cool. uh, last week. Um, Canadian studio, uh, which is a really great story. You know, they put all their mortgage, their homes, quit their jobs to go full in on this game. And it's been a massive success. It's already like the third highest game on the eShop and it doesn't even come out for like three weeks. Is that just people clicking um, on like the description? And, no, that's people pre-order. actually pre-ordering, pre-ordering it, which okay, is wow. nuts, which is great. Super happy for them. It's a wonderful game. Uh, and it's also interesting because Microsoft helped fund that game. So they've specifically working with Nintendo to bring it to Switch, which we've heard a lot of rumors about Nintendo being in bed with Microsoft, uh, either to bring more services or other games. We might learn more at E3 since they're both at E3. So it's kind of a... A two-pronged thing that I'm excited for Switch uh, Cuphead in, for Switch in itself, but also the idea of more games for Microsoft. On I think Switch. we've seen them kind of do that before too, right? Like with Minecraft or even um, like their Microsoft Office suite. Like you can find that on anything now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we know we're losing the hardware battle, so here's our cool software. You can use it on whatever platform you want to use it on. But that that's really cool to see. Uh, just to make it three for three, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Sekiro, I've been just really enjoying it. Uh, it's the new From Software game, famously creators of Dark Souls. Uh, and uh, yeah, get if you're good. a masochist, there you go. Get good the game. Get good the game. Yeah, in uh, three parts. Um, Pat, Brad, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke and as, as always on mobilesyrup.com. Uh, yeah, you could also find me on mobilesyrup.com and on Twitter at Brad Shankar, B-R-A-D-S-H-A-N-K-A-R. It's good that you spelled it out. I, I couldn't do that because my name's too long. Wait until you try spelling my name. I wouldn't even attempt it. <laughs> there you go. Anytime you get, I have uh, to spell your name, I just cut and paste it from your byline. Just there you so go. I don't mess it up. Don't don't mix him, uh, Igor up with Igor Bonacic. Igor Bonacic, <laughs> my favorite. Um, you can find me at Igor Bonifacic at uh, Twitter. That's uh, B O N I F A C I C. Uh, you can find Mobile Syrup at Mobile Syrup, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week, and we hope you have a great weekend. Bye.